The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 116 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We've got another great conversation for you. But a few things before we jump into uh, this week's guest. Uh, First of all, from last week, you'll remember Lisa Hatch talked about her daughter's cookie company. I'm just so impressed with all that they do and how amazing their cookies are. I want to remind you, great time of year with the holidays. You've got company coming over. Go check out Mama's Cookie Co., uh, it's cookie company, but uh, CO, the short uh, short version of company, is how they are on Instagram and on Facebook, Mama's Cookie Co. It's M-A-M-A. You are going to have the best cookies you have ever had. They now do a big box that's got a mix of a bunch of different cookies. I promise you will be the hit of your holiday party, whatever it is. If you reach out to Mama's Cookie Co., they're on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, another thing I want to share from past guests, uh, Garth Smith, who we all, who doesn't love Garth Smith? One of the most talented pianists. Uh, he has put together a, what's called a Sacred Christmas. It's a multimedia musical Christmas fireside, and he will be playing piano and singing along with him, uh, will be a few names you might recognize. Allie Gardner, who we just adore Allie. She was on the show a while back and an amazing singer, as well as Stephanie Madsen, who was just on the show a few weeks ago. She will be singing. They both will with Garth. There'll be some musicians there. Uh, That's happening in Logan, Bountiful, as well as in Salt Lake City. They're doing three of these uh, musical firesides. I am going to figure out which one we're going to. You have to go check it out. Go to Garth Smith Music uh, to get more details right there on Facebook. Okay, into this week's episode, my guest this week, David Bowman. What a neat guy. I got to meet him uh, up at Swiss Days in uh, Midway. He had a big booth selling his fine art and his books, and it caught my attention. And he is the nicest guy. He is just the most approachable, just friendly person and so talented. It's a really fun conversation. We talk about all his projects. And trust me, there are a lot. And uh, this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you about uh, the difference this week between a dollar lost and a few seconds gained. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today I've got a fantastic guest, a remarkably talented artist who is not sitting here in the Latter-day Live studios, even though I am, uh, Dave Bowman. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Sean. Glad to be with you. All right. So why don't you tell us where you are recording from? Um, I am in the thriving metropolis of Snowflake, Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) There's something about Snowflake and thriving metropolis that doesn't quite go together. Tell us a little bit about Snowflake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's it's a great place. I'm not a native here. I was born and raised in California and and went to BYU, but basically ended up here um, because my wife's sister had moved here before and just said, hey, you ought to come live here if you're free to do your own career anywhere. And 
So we did. And, and we've been here about 12 years. Love it. Small town. Got our own temple. You know, lots of Latter-day oh, Saints. Awesome. It's um, just a great environment to raise a family. I've, I've talked to a lot of people from Arizona who say, I love... Arizona because it's Utah without being too Utah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's get Utah a lot of, light. <laughs> yeah, Utah-ish. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's awesome. <laughs> well, let's uh, before we get into you have so many projects. We have uh, no shortage of things to talk about today. But uh, before we get into that, why don't we get a little bit of background? Why don't you tell us uh, kind of where you're from, where you grew up? Okay. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in uh, in California in the Bay Area. Um, yeah. So. Definitely not Utah. <laughs> what what city are you from? In, uh, Saratoga. Uh, in the area? Called, oh, by, we by grew San up Jose. right by each other. So yeah, we okay. grew up right by each other. I'm from South San Jose. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah. So yeah. grew up in Saratoga. Um, just had a great <laughs> upbringing. Grew up a member of the church. Parents, you know, strong, active members. Um, just. What were you, know. when, when did you develop art? When did art well, become? Since, yeah. Talk about art. I, I started drawing, I think when I started breathing I, I maybe in the womb i was paint drawing on the walls of the <laughs> the uterus or placenta whatever i'm <laughs> all right we can cut that part out. i love that yeah but anyway no i just always love to draw my mom remembers being a i'm a two-year-old and i'm just got a little chalkboard and i'm scribbling out chalk pictures and you can hardly even tell what they are but i would just frantically draw and then erase it and frantically draw again and i told her it was batman i was drawing like batman scenes but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just always been a love. And so I think I just kept drawing and drawing. And and it's it's funny because I look at some of my illustrations, my pictures, even when I'm like six or seven, and I was amazed at what my brain was starting to do because usually at that age, you know, you just draw a person. It's just a head and a little stick, and it's always a front-on view. And, and I was already trying to copy, you know, pictures from my brother's Dungeons & Dragons books. And there's wow. you know, arm reaching out with foreshortening with a sword in his hand. And you could tell my, my seven-year-old brain was trying to comprehend deeper art concepts like foreshortening. And I kept erasing and I draw and erase. So you saw these erase marks almost through the paper because my brain was seeing something happening, but I couldn't quite get it onto the paper like I wanted to. That is amazing because uh, at age 47, yeah. I'm still drawing the stick figure with the little round head, the house with the little uh, smoke billowing out of it. That's the extent uh, yeah, yeah. of my art. So I'm very impressed with anyone who can really, really, truly draw. No, it's it's fun. So I just loved, people ask like, oh, when did you start? I just always loved to draw. And I think I'm pretty much self-taught. I didn't really take any classes. Even high school art was kind of a joke. So it was just most basically self-taught. That is awesome. So what else were you into? I mean, was drawing your life or did you have other um, hobbies? No, no. I, I, I did lots of things. I loved, you know, playing outdoors, doing whatever. Uh, in junior high, I was kind of a skateboard punk, actually. So I uh, <laughs> appreciate all those skaters out there, which I'm sure there's <laughs> so many listening to this. But uh, no, I loved to skateboard, you know, do different sports in high school and have friends and be social and sing in a rock band in high school. I also loved to sing. So uh, awesome. What kind of music did you do? Oh, you know, all the 80s kind of cover big hair bands. So we're singing Van Halen and Rush. That was a big uh, (laughs) band that was like in California. So, yeah, just having a good time. I was a little sophomore with all these seniors that they were really good, too. We were playing all the good gigs and and I felt pretty, pretty (laughs) big, although I was. So it sounds like beyond art that you're just generally a really creative guy. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I love to create whether it's art or just. Yeah, definitely. Are, 
Are you a left brain, right brain guy? Like, do you appreciate also math and like more confined things or is it creative or nothing for you? Uh, yeah, I can appreciate it because I can't do it. So those that can, <laughs> that are inclined that way, That's a great I go, way wow, like you do calculus or you do accounting and you know, you're amazing. That stuff it bores me silly and I can't do it, but yeah. But I'm pretty, pretty far really right funny. Brain, I think. So you grow up in, in Saratoga. How many siblings do you have? Um, I'm the middle of three. So just older brother, younger sister. Awesome. So you've got, uh, and you know, a lot of middle children develop art. I've been reading about that. I'm a middle child hmm. and a lot of middle children, it's kind of their, their outlet, you know, it's kind of how they find their place. So that's interesting. That part of it's a little yeah, bit less surprising. None of my siblings or parents really are into it or had much of a knack for it. It was just sort of, a, I was sort of an anomaly, I guess, in the Bowman family. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So you, you grow up, you get through high school. What was, uh, what was next? Um, so I graduated in 92. We're about the same age, Sean. And, and then I went. Yeah, we're close. Went to BYU for a year. I already knew that I wanted to major in illustration. So I went through the classes there. Then I went on my mission to the Philippines and uh, loved. Well, what, one second. Is, yeah. is illustration its own degree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or is that a program within art? It's, it's, in, it's in the a bigger, it's in the graphic design. Yeah. It's an art degree that you can get there. Um, right. But it's, it's the actual degree. It's not just an emphasis. Yes. It's called illustration. That's the name wow. of the bachelor's. Uh-huh. I was not even aware that there was a bachelor's degree in illustration. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. And you ended up going on a mission to the Philippines. Yes. Loved it. Loved the people. Loved everything about it. Um, didn't do much art while I was there, but I just loved teaching and, and meeting people and came back. Were you and, in Manila? So No, I was in the, I was in the Middle Islands, a mission called Bacolod. It's, and President Nelson just announced we're getting a temple there this last conference. So I'm pretty excited. Oh, how exciting. So. Did you uh, tell us about your mission? Did you love it? Oh, oh yeah. It was, I mean, well, <laughs> did you serve a mission, Sean? I served a mission, yes. Yeah, so I you know, but it, it's a love, love, hate, but in retrospect, you think it's all great, but in the, at the time, <laughs> it's a pretty hard time, so you can relate. There are times where I, I look, yeah, I look back at a very, I have a very romantic memory yes. of my mission, yeah. but I know in the moment, and I've, I've spent some time in the Philippines, but only in Manila, but what a wonderful people well, and the, amazing cuisine too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I did uh, eat, eat dog. That was my claim to fame, but uh, sent a picture <laughs> home to my family. I, we didn't, our, we didn't even know we were eating the dog and then some missionaries did and they had the severed head of the dog and we thought it was so cool. So we're taking pictures with it and send it home to my family. And they write oh me back gosh. like, Dave, you greatly disturbed your mother and sister with that photo. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that may be normal where you are, but we have pets and we love dogs and we don't want to see those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of, that was so that the was end, the end of, of dog photos. pictures, but no, the yeah, people no, in the Philippines, no, no just dog. humble, good people. You can teach, you can have some success. It's, you know, like all missions, it's truly the greatest place to go on a mission. Yeah, that is just awesome. And uh, not not a cold place like where I served. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure it was hot all the time where, where, there. Where did you serve, Sean? I was in southern Chile. I was on the southern tip of Chile. Oh, okay. Snow, penguins, all that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, no, the Philippines is, uh, I've spent some very warm days in the Philippines. So <laughs> that's my, my thought on it. Uh, so you get done with your mission. Did you go back to BYU? So I went back to BYU, um, continued with my major, and um, so I was basically, I had the dream of all artists at that time was to, you know, animate for Walt Disney, because I was in the 
Hey, Day of Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Lion King and all. Oh yeah. Um, and then my plans took a change because I also love youth things, and I got to be an, a counselor for EFY for especially for youth. Awesome. And quickly realized that my real passion is teaching and, and being with youth and 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 art. They're kind of combined passions. So I did a career goal change and decided to go the seminary teaching route and tried taking the classes to become hired full-time um, with seminary. And I went through that. I was single, though, at BYU, and, and they kind of don't <laughs> – if there isn't enough pressure in our church anyway to get married, when they're saying to you, okay, we love you, we'd hire you, now just find a wife – like okay, your career is on hold too. <laughs> so we, um, so I was going through the program there. Um, eventually, graduated BYU in illustration. Moved down to Arizona, where I met my wife to be, Natalie Randall. And nice. we, uh, anyway, met, got engaged, and got hired in seminary. All about, all about the same <laughs> in the same half year. And uh, so this is now beginning of 2000. I'm living in Arizona. I'm married to Natalie, and I'm teaching seminary full time. Awesome. How'd you like being a seminary teacher? Oh, I, it, it's the best. I mean, it's one of those things you can't believe you're getting paid for sometimes, just with the experiences you have with the youth yeah. and, and just connecting with them. I mean, I just really, really enjoyed that. So, so basically, I'm teaching seminary, and then. After about you know four years or so, I started thinking, I love this. Is this really what I want to do the rest of my life? And in the back of my brain, I've still got these artistic ideas going in my head and, and wondering if maybe there's something I should be doing in that endeavor. So I kind of took a leap of faith in about 05, 2005, and um, took a time out from seminary and had some ideas of some art things that I could do, and they it, it paid off. So the rest is kind of history from there. Was that a difficult leap to make? I mean, you, you know, seminary is a super safe job. Yes. You know, you've got you've got the security of it. You've got the regular paycheck coming in and everything. How was that making the jump to saying, okay, time well, to try some things on my own? Luckily, I was in a position financially where um, we could make it work. And, and if it even took some time to get started, I wasn't, my family wasn't going to starve. So that part of it helped. I wasn't going completely like, okay, we got nothing. Um, yeah, but yeah, just the security, just wondering, okay, is this cause you're going to miss it. And, and I still get to teach it, especially for youths in the summer. And, and, uh, and I've been an Institute teacher for the past decade up here in snowflake. So I still get to have awesome. teaching and enjoy, but, uh, it's just uh, following the spirit basically, Sean, you just feel like, okay, you maybe you're being pushed in another way. And even if it's hard, you, you just move forward. That's fantastic. Uh, was it as easy for your wife so. to make that leap? Yeah, she she was. I mean, that's great. She told us she was supportive. Love it, fantastic. So, where did that take you next? Well, kind of where two different things. So, there's artistically, there's two types. I guess I do two two types of art. I do some fine art yeah. pieces that are with uh, pastels. They're not paint, um, but they're more realistic looking. And so, one endeavor I was going was I was thinking about doing a book depicting my favorite chapter in all the scriptures, which is third Nephi chapter 17. Um, I think mm. that chapter more than anything just shows the the character, the personality, the, the passion of, of Christ and what he loves and how he thinks and who he is. And so I thought, what if I could do all these illustrations into a book that kind of, you know, it encompassed that whole chapter. So I started doing these illustrations yeah. and then 
individually, I, I loved him so much how some were turning out, especially Christ with children, which is very prominent in that chapter. So right. I started just sort of, well, what if I could maybe sell these individually? And uh, I'd done a few pieces. I showed some to Deseret Book. Um, they took an interest in it. I was very blessed. And, and they thought these will sell well. And some of those are probably some of my <laughs> One's called Security. And it's a picture of, of Jesus yeah. holding a little girl on his shoulder. It's, it's in color. She's kind of asleep. And it's it's kind of one of my first pieces. I think it's sort of become my trademark piece, actually. Um, I, I definitely would say that of all your pieces, this is the one I know best. Yeah. And you really capture. So this was early on when you started doing the, the Images of Christ. Yes. Yeah. So that was right out of the boat. So when I was deciding to leave seminary, I already had some artistic ideas kind of started and going. And luckily, they, they paid off. And I, I think my whole uh, goal in the art is I look at the Savior, and I, I love everything. About, of course, I love the Savior, but I picture him as a lot yeah. more multidimensional than I think he's portrayed sometimes. Um, that Luckily, in the past 20 years or so, we've seen more aspects of laughing and personality. So I call my series Expressions of Christ. And I want to get a variety of looks. So there's some where he can be laughing and engaged with people. Others is maybe more tender hold, like that security piece, or another one called My Child. That was one of the first ones I did. Um, or it could be an encouraging one. Like I've got a piece where Peter's or Christ is uh, beckoning Peter to come walk on the water, and he's yeah. very engaged. So all these different person aspects of his personality, I want to try to capture in each piece. So I'll name one piece, for example, that I call one security. One's called Innocence, one's called Joy, and I just pick a one-word title that's the the feeling of the piece, and hopefully when people yeah. look at that, they can relate and go, okay, that's that's how I feel towards my Savior now. I can see him laughing with me and, and hugging me, slapping me on the back, welcome home, or I can see him tenderly holding me, and so hopefully they can relate that that feeling with the image and their own testimony. It's really interesting on security. I want to kind of stick on security for a little bit yeah. in that... Uh, there is a look in the Savior's face that I don't know that I've seen in any other art. It's this deep abiding love. And the child, what I love about it, it, I think in most images, the person is recognizing Christ. And it's more the the facial expression of the person, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Christ is somewhat presented the same. Here, the child is asleep and just safe and content. But it doesn't betray anything of like the child knows that she's specifically with Christ. But the look on Christ's face is this deep abiding love. I mean, it's really impressive, Dave. Like you've you've captured a lot here. And then, like you said, contrasted that with with home, which has so much joy. How was it hard for you to figure out how you were going to draw the face of the Savior? Did you did you lean on a specific image of the yeah. savior before, because your, your depictions of the savior are pretty consistent. You know, you, you seem to have a pretty consistent idea of what the savior looks like. Yeah. Where did you draw on the inspiration for that? Well, people ask me that question. And did you get, you know, do you have some sort of insight that the, we don't know, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> it's not as mystical and, and, and I, that deep spiritual as, some might say, I mean, yes, you want to draw into your feelings towards the Savior, but as far as how he looks, what I do and what pretty much every artist you'll see out there that has depicted the Savior is we do have models. So we have people that we've found that have maybe a certain look or something 
that we resonate with and goes, okay, I think that could represent how I feel about the savior. Now we can change things how we want. Like I've had one model I used that never had long hair and, and I could, you know, I put the long hair on them. And, but when you have a model that you can take photographs with, then you can get the right lighting, the, you know, the, the folds and the clothes, those kind of things. It really helps to have that reference. So with that said, the first model that I used um, actually used to be, he played Jesus in the Mesa Easter pageant. Oh, wow. And uh, I kind of came across him just randomly and like, oh, okay, would, maybe would you model for me? And uh, so when we did this little photo shoot, I had him bring his kids with him. And mm. so the piece you're talking about security, and man, I wish we could get a visual. So if anyone's listening, you can look up David Bowman security or, or uh, my child, for example. Those two pieces were actually the model's daughters. And we should get this out here right now. If people want to go to David Bowman Art, it may be helpful to actually be on the website while you're listening. It's davidbowmanart.com. It's B-O-W-M-A-N. And you can actually see what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that might so, be helpful for our our, uh, our listeners. Yeah, thank you, Sean. So basically, I knew that if you got a dad with his own girls, and I've got three little girls, my oldest three are girls, and you would get a feeling that was not posed it was natural. Um, the my child picture, the other one, the black one kissing the top of the girl's head. That was another daughter. And I have another piece that's not as well known called Adoration, which is that same girl. And in Adoration, oh, she, she's looking at Jesus with this look like, I love you. Versus this is a bearded stranger and I'm supposed to smile at you and pose for this picture. <laughs> It's totally authentic. And so I think that really helps come across the feelings of the Savior, not not just the kids for the Savior, but a dad, Jesus, for his child. I don't think anything, a love for the parent for a child is the closest thing that I think we have is for Christ's love for us. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. How hard was it to, you have a, you have a, a picture called King um, that depicts the thorn of crowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Savior, and it is a very intense piece. I mean, it's it's detailed. Yeah. How hard was that? And and tell me a little bit about the process. So behind King. So that one, like I said, I want a variety of expressions, and so that one is basically yeah, depicting his moments of of atonement that Friday morning when he's being whipped and crowned, and uh, it's not necessarily going to be a, a bestseller that hangs on people's living room walls. That doesn't tend to be our style as Latter-day Saints. But I still wanted to uh, just depict that that moment. And I wanted to show in his face that there is strength. There is utter fatigue physically. He looks tired. He looks kind of beaten up. But there's this resolution and determination in his eyes that, that says, I am going to see this through to the end. Not my will but thine be done father. And I love my brothers and sisters too much to, to, to fail them. Mm. And so it, that, that's why I call it King because it's the crown of thorns, but he truly is the noblest kingly attributes are shown in those moments of suffering. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. It, it's interesting because you're right. We don't tend to hang a lot of art in our homes like this, but it, it's, it's stunning. I mean, it it would have a place in any home. It's, yeah. it's, beautiful. And yet it, it's such an important part of who the Savior is. Um, I, not to play favorites, but for those of you uh, listening along, I uh, when I was doing research before this, I love Inspire so much. Tell us about Inspire. Mm. Oh, Inspire, Inspire is a great one because it's 
Jesus with a little um, little black boy. So I want to make sure we get some other ethnicities here. Um, and he's pointing off in the distance, and you don't even know what he's looking at, but he just sees something there that, uh, anyway, that, that's that's they're both excited about. They're both engaged. Um, and kind of a little ex- experience, and I don't want this to seem self-aggrandizing or promotional no, or what have you, but uh, but I did have a neat experience of several years back when the Deseret Bookstore up in Salt Lake emailed me and said that one of the general authorities had just come in and and with his wife and, and it asked to, you know, to show him pictures of Christ. And they said, we just showed him all these pictures. But when he came to that picture called Inspire, he, he stopped and he just said, now this is Christ the teacher. And he used that word, the mm. teacher, which I love that idea because my whole goal is I want to teach using art. Christ teaches us. It's all about teaching, you know, whether it's through actions or words. So something about that, that image resonated that, that here Christ is teaching, um, this this boy and that that's his role. Oh, I I love it. It's my favorite piece, and you capture an expression in Christ that I don't think I've ever seen. And what what the story tells me, and and this is what I love about art, is every piece tells a story differently to every person. But I can see that Christ has realized something and knows something that the little boy is just starting to understand. Yes, and maybe yeah. that is what you're saying about teaching. It, but he's he's pointing with such an excitement. It's amazing. I almost look at it like he's pointing at that boy's future, like his destiny. <laughs> if yeah. he, you, know, you stick with me, son, and and look at the places we'll we'll go together. It's it's beautiful. Your work is incredible, and and for those of us like me who I don't know the difference between all the different mediums, talk a little bit about pastels. When you say um, you use pastels, so it's basically drawing. Um, it's, so I don't have any paintbrushes, what have you. They're kind of like, kind of like chalks. Um, I have stick forms. It's kind of like a, a colored stick that you can shade with. And I have black and white pictures. I have colored pictures. Um, some pictures I have brown paper that's sort of a sandpaper texture, like the one called known or peace. That's just a brown piece of paper. And then I've got black and white pastels. So I just have three colors that, you know, the brown of the paper and the black and white. It's just a fun yeah. medium. Some of the simplest ones are just the black and white ones that are, I think, get an emotion across that I love. There's there's one called Innocence. Yeah, which, I, I actually have that open on my computer okay. right now. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned Innocence it. because there's a little funny story behind this one. It was while we're doing the same photo shoot, this model had his daughters. Well, he on a break went over and picked up my little girl, my oldest, who was three at the time, and starts talking to her. And she's looking at him like, Oh my goodness, you are Jesus. Like this is real. <laughs> this is and you can just see it in her face. This wasn't pretend for her. He has the robe and the long hair and the beard, and we're treating him as Jesus. And so she's just staring at him and he keeps talking and trying to get her to talk and she won't say a word. And then she gets a big smile when without a word, just reaches that hand forward and go right on his nose, just gives him a beep. And he starts laughing. Well, my we're all kind of watching this. My photographer is just sort of took a little photo sequence while it happened spontaneously. So what I love wow. about it is I never would have thought to do a picture of a Jesus, kid beeping Jesus nose. Is that irreverent? Yeah. No, that is not children. at all. That is her gut reaction it's to meeting awesome. her savior. And so I wanted to just portray that in that piece. Now I turned it in, turned her into a boy because I needed a boy picture, but it was the expression that I loved. That one's called innocence. I love Christ's response that he's cracking up at yeah, this yeah. kid. And <laughs> and this is one of the things I love about your art, Dave, is I think it's just amazing how you capture 
who, you know, how we need to think of Christ because he goes through the same things that we go through. And you see the pain, you see the pleading, you see the strength, you see the love, you see the joy. But then to see these little snippets of laughter and encouragement and excitement, uh, it's just beautiful work. It's almost Uh, like, I was going to say one last thing about that. It's just, I I look, I love Joseph Smith and I love everything you get. And luckily we have so many more accounts than we necessarily have of the Savior, of his personality and and I just believe that when a man is filled, Heber C. Kimball has a quote about, I believe God is a, oh, I'm going to botch it, but it's you know, a jovial, good-hearted you know, type person. And he says, the reason I feel this is because I feel those things when I have the Spirit with me. He's good-natured. He's laughing. He's amiable, approachable. Um, mm. I can just see him engaged. I do not see him aloof, standoff, you know, kind of I am Jesus. Come, to, I just see him being a totally almost like he can't help himself. Like he meets yeah. one, of his, one of us and he's just, ah, I, I love you. And he's just right there like Joseph Smith would have been. That's how I want to That portray. is awesome. I love it. How, uh, how has doing all of this art, how have all these pieces affected your relationship with the Savior? Like when you, when you study, has it affected when you study and think about the Savior? It's humbling to, to think that you're, you are betraying him and to, uh, to get feedback and, and, or, you know, emails or things from people that just, wow, that image just touched me at just the right time, you know, like, thank you. Or this meant this to me at this time on my mission or what have you. It's really humbling. And it just makes you feel blessed that you can sort of help convey that love he has. And so in the process, because you're helping others sort of relate to his love, you feel that love in return. And there's times Mm. like I'll be drawing the picture and, you know, you put on maybe some good, reverent music and things and just these little glimpses of moments like whoa wow you know like something needs happening here and you can almost just feel the the approval the the love of the savior as you're trying to depict him that is just awesome if people want to buy your prints they're they're available it's all available on davidbowmanart.com and i love the way you've laid out your website you can click on the piece and then you can decide what size you want uh you can order packs of them. You can order them matted. You can order them framed. It's all available directly from you. Is that the best way for people to find your art? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's Deseret Book carries a lot of my, my prints and Amazon has some, but if you want the full selection and uh, signed frame pieces, just go to my website. Uh, so now a total departure from the fine art. And this is something that was surprising to me a little bit. Um, in fact, what first caught my attention, you and I met in Midway, uh, you were up there for the Swiss days and something caught my attention and made me laugh, which is something called dude, don't be a Lemuel. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why that just made me laugh so hard. Most artists that I know have one style that they do and your, uh, your fine art. So beautiful. Um, but then you have this other side of you. Tell us about your books. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I love, Sean, it's almost like I can, I love teaching first and art second. I, I'm just, so if I can teach art through a fine art image and teach an attribute of the Savior, or if I can teach children through fun, cartoony style pictures with, with you know, and teach gospel concepts, that is my love. So basically what happened about the time that I was starting the fine art, I, my kids were getting old enough to have, you know, religious children's books. I went to the Deseret Bookstore and said, okay, now teaching, having taught seminary all the, those four years, 
I'm looking for, okay, I, want, I don't want to just tell the story. I want something that shows the principles from the story and applies it to their level, you know, very much a seminary teacher approach. And there was nothing. Um, I was mm. kind of disheartened. And so this is the idea that I got. Well, this is what I do. I illustrate. So I came up with my own version of Book of Mormon stories. I took Ammon and his theme was he loves to serve. And I did a prototype of telling his story with these kind of these big bug-eyed characters that have their eyeballs mushed together. It's kind of become my trademark. <laughs> um, it's very cartoon. And, it's yeah, really yeah, fun. It's, it's, it's fun. It's big eyes. It's expressive. And I wrote the storyline. And then after the story, it says, how can you be like Ammon? And it shows examples of Ammon in modern settings, like doing the dishes with a kid. And and Ammon remembered to, to feed the, the king's horses. And so you can remember to do your jobs without being reminded. And it shows Ammon raking leaves with a girl. And so it brings this whole application dimension. Um, I sent the idea off to Deseret Book. This is in 2005. And I was lucky. I heard back within about a week and a half. And they just said, hey, we, we love this. We think this will work. We'd like to go with this. And I was shocked and excited. Um, and so we, one thing led to another. We got a, whole, a book together that had three heroes, Ammon, Nephi, and Abinadi. And that started what's called the Who's Your Hero um, series that came out in 2006. Uh, had a great response. I, I, people were liking that, okay, this is applying because as a parent, we go, okay, we need anything we can to help our kids learn gospel principles. So you have like Alma, he apologizes. And Moroni, he acts responsibly. And Helaman's warriors, they respect their parents. So each story has a, uh, a principle that teaches with it. I love the story. What I love about these books, and you can actually on your website, if you click books, you can see all the different books, but there are also sample pages from it. What I love is if you were to sit down, at least with my kids, my experience has been, we sit down and say, hey, I want to talk to you about doing your jobs and being more responsible. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get the, oh, good, dad. I was hoping we could sit down and talk about those things. But these books are like just so fun and so interesting. And the illustration on them is absolutely stunning. And I think that it kind of tricks people into learning a lesson. <laughs> you know, heaven forbid your kids should actually enjoy it. So there yeah. are, is it three books in the Who's Your Hero series? No. Yeah, no, I. I love it. I, and for me, it's just golden. If, if I do a show or get an email just from a, a parent that says, oh, my kid is actually doing a thumbs up like Nephi is saying, okay, like they're just thanking you for helping <laughs> teach that. I'm like, I know, right? Isn't it hard to try to teach them these things? But it helps to have heroes they can look up to. Um, so yeah, the hero, the hero really books fun. basically went through about 2006 to about 2010 or 11. Um, I, I did a book called Great Plan of Happiness then, which then I wanted to get one that taught the entire plan of salvation from born of heavenly parents, clear through to exaltation, but all in a fun visual uh, format for kids. So it, it kind of an ambitious project, but it, it seems to people like that book too. Um, I would say it's an ambitious cover, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you basically have a family sitting down looking at it but then the entire plan of salvation is swirling around them. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> no, to me, I mean, if you can tell things in pictures, it's amazing what kids will capture with pictures. So I have another book similar called The Rock and Restoration. Um, yeah, I which, wanted to ask about that. Yeah, that well, sounds I, so fun. That one, okay, that takes you from Adam to the second coming in 32 pages. <laughs> and it's just visual. <laughs> it's fun. The kids see that Christ church always has the rock foundation play on words, rock and restoration of priesthood mm. apostles and revelation. 
um, takes them through how it fell away and the apostasy and restoration and establishment of our country so that we have Joseph Smith and, and clear up till today. Um, but it just gives the whole bigger picture. And some people go, okay, like a three-year-old's really going to understand the Reformation. Come on. But yet you'd be amazed <laughs> what they pick up if it's visual uh. and flows. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited. And, and one thing I'm really excited about is with our 200-year celebration of the first vision this spring. Um, I'm hoping if any families are looking for some a tool, a resource that helps their kids really understand not just the first vision, but the whole picture of the restoration and how the first vision plays in the bigger picture, uh, the rock and re- restoration might be a, a great choice for them. Yeah, that is fantastic. It's so entertaining, all everything. But I do want to get to do Don't Be a Lemuel because that was, <laughs> I seriously was walking by and I stopped at your booth just to point at that book, uh, to point it out to my wife. And then that's when you and I got to talking. But uh, tell us about Dude, Don't Be a Lemuel. Oh, it, it always kind of gives catches their attention, a little chuckle, because it's got this cover picture of Lemuel with this completely <laughs> apathetic, you know, kind of this look. Sour. Get sour, you know. Yeah. Um, don't be that. So for that, so I love teaching children, but you know, I love teaching youth. That's probably my real love. And so I want to make sure I get a book or two that was geared towards teenagers. And, and uh, so that's what those are. And the whole premise behind the book is what if Lemuel kept a record, you know, plates like Nephi, well, what would his perspective sound like? And so every chapter starts with plates of Lemuel. And so you see these plates in the book and, and it's very much book of Mormon language, you know, and it came to pass I Lemuel being born of wacky parents Um you know, and, and, and so you laugh at his bad attitude. It's kind of a satire humor. But then you do the teaching after the plates and go, okay, after you've laughed at our own lemulus, which we all have lemulitis is the disease we call from one degree <laughs> or another. Uh, once we've laughed at ourselves. I have we, it. Yeah, yeah oh, I, I got it. it. It's strong at times and less at other times. But And then you just kind of say, okay, how do you avoid being this lemuel teenager and be like a Nephi? And so... I don't know. It's kind of a, a, a cult favorite, if I could say that. I, I have to say, too, it's very funny. Like, I think teenagers would absolutely love this. I'm looking through some of the some of the page shots, you know, and you've got Lemuel Skyping with Lehi. Yeah, yeah. It's just so funny to think about how different it would have been today if they would have been Skyping back and forth as to how things are going uh, when yeah. they're out there. It's just no, it's, awesome. it, it's fun. And if you have pictures and you get them laughing, then I think people learn better when they're laughing. And then the other thing I want to talk about is uh, tell us a little bit about the Tiankum warrior caricatures. Oh yeah. Yeah. So in one of the, in the who's your hero too. So basically to rewind there, I had the, all these different books that came out desert book about five years ago, we put them on to two mega books. So you have the who's your hero. One is the blue book. Two is the red book. And it's just the first and second half of the book of Mormon. Um, I added Tiankum as a new hero. Cause you know, you gotta love Tiankum and, I wanted to put him in the book, yeah. and I was thinking, okay, so we're applying a principle to the kids. What could Tiankum, uh, how to assassinate your enemies in their sleep? Uh, what, <laughs> how, to, how to take a javelin. And yeah, yeah. How to, yeah well, what's ran, ran and then it kind of hit me like, wait a minute. Nobody asked him to do any of these totally life threat risks, which he gave his life to go you know, kill Malachi or Amaron and and so he went beyond what was expected. He did something beyond what anybody expected and on his own. And so that was his principle. You go beyond what's expected. Um, and then I just thought, okay, I love caricatures. So by the way, as a side, I love, I do parties and I've done corporate events where I'm just, you know, the live 
quick, big head, little body, you know, five minute drawings of the person live. And, and that's a r- real kick. So awesome. I said, well, what if a kid wants to be a Tiankum warrior? And we always talk about Helam's and Helaman's warriors, but Tiankum's warriors were like, they were like the Rangers. I mean, they were the Navy SEALs spiritually. So anyway, you can basically go to my website and become a Tiankum warrior and you, you get, you send me a photo and I do a caricature of your, the head on a little Tiankum warrior body and you get a little number and you get a headband in the mail and, and stuff like that. So just you kind get of your name on, uh, you get your name on the shield. This so, yeah. Cool. Name on the shield and you become an official Tianka Moyer. So, <laughs> so if people want to do this as a gift, what a great time, you know, if people are wanting to do this, they can go right to your website. They can order it directly from the website. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's send you the photo, the, click on the books at the top and then it'll say Tianka Moyer offer there. So you've done quite a few of them. And, and what's amazing is you seem to have this gift it's funny because, you know, I look at your fine art and it's very detailed and very clear. And then I look at your books, which are very cartoon. And then the Tiankum's Warrior is like realism, but as a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Like you can definitely tell who the people are. It, but what an amazing gift. Can you imagine what kids must think when they get this thing? That's just awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, not I, I guess you were sitting back saying, geez, I'm cranking out art. I'm cranking out books. You had so much free time on your hand, you yeah. <laughs> decided to uh, decided to take on a new project. Tell us about that. I, I don't know, maybe what I'm getting into. I might be biting off more than I can chew here. Talk about Tianka Moyers. People love to watch drawing. I thought, well, what if I could do some pictures, some videos where kids are watching me draw and I record it. And then along the way, you're teaching the stories and principles and things from the Book of Mormon. So since Book of Mormon is our upcoming Come Follow Me, for 2020, I thought, what, what better time yeah. to try this than, than now? So that's what I've been doing. I've been working on this series. It's called Drawn In, kind of a play on words. Uh, you know, you draw awesome. in the pictures, but you're getting drawn into the scriptures. And I've done several recordings just right here in my little studio at Snowflake. I've got a little camera above my desk, a camera on the side that I talk to, um, an editor guy who, you know, puts together and, and, you know, with some sound. So hopefully these will be some, I haven't seen the final, final edited versions yet, but we're almost done with the first few episodes. So what they're going to be is they're basically, like I said, teaching the story for that week, um, you know, maybe a certain story, then finding a principle that relates, you know, like, uh, oh, if when you obey with a soft heart, then you are happier. And I can't remember what I said, but (laughs) anyway, different principles from the stories and then applications. And then in addition to that, I want I want this to be a real teaching tool. So if the kids watch the videos, then they can print off some PDFs I've done that are basically like one sheet as a so now it's my turn sheet where they can keep track of that week of certain challenges they got. Like, okay, I did this, I obeyed with a soft heart and the days they do it. You know, the whole point is they can watch a video fine, but unless they're doing something after they see the video different, or it's you know, it's it's a actually happening in their lives, then what's the point of, of reading the scriptures or watching a video? Starting today, the, this, this is live and ready. You can go to my YouTube channel, which is David Bowman Art, same as my website, and subscribe and watch. And there'll be, uh, there's an intro video that kind of just talks about this whole series I'm doing. And then two of the first episodes, Second Nephi chapter two and Second Nephi three and four with Laban and the Brass Plates. Um, so that is really to get the interest going. And I will, I will post probably one video periodically, maybe once a month on YouTube to attract new people. But the real hope is that they'll then the link will be to my website, David Bowman art, 
where they can sign up for a little subscription. Um, I haven't figured out the price yet for sure. I'm lean and really inexpensive, but uh, I would love to offer all this for free. But, you know, it's that whole feed, provide for your family, you know, got to make some money. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I, yeah, so I feel bad kind of having the charge, but just a minimal fee. And then what you get you should never feel bad about that. Okay. You know, well, you got to support your family and you've been given the gifts. And thank the talents. you, Sean. I, I oh. appreciate it. The, the money is not so, my motivation at all. It's, it's what's happening, but I totally it, get it. Helps. You have to support your family. So this is something that people can subscribe to. So if they want to see some of the videos, they can see the kind of the first two on YouTube. Yeah to, um, you know, to kind of get them started and to whet their appetite, but then there's a monthly subscription and that's going to include all of the videos, uh, as well as the downloadable files that they can then follow along. And I just got to say, you know, I've got nothing but teenagers, uh, left at home, but I remember what little kids keeping their interest and keeping them excited. What a great way to supplement your come follow me lessons. I mean, I, I just think this would be so awesome for people to check out. And actually, there's a place on the website that people can subscribe right now. Uh, they can jump in and click on join now and they can get yeah. in on this subscription. It's, and what an exciting thing. David, you do so much. It's amazing. <laughs> well, like I would jokingly ask what you do in your free time, but uh, sounds like uh, your time is is pretty filled up. Well, I think this, it's awesome. This project and, especially is, is taking a lot, but, but it is really fun. So I, w- I would love... Any of you that are listening to, to check it out. And if you get a little subscription for the whole year, you save some money and I'll send you a, a free book, one called the, the Family Proclamation and You. So just look at it. And then, and then if you can help me pass the word along, I really just want to hope to get this to as many people as possible. And like you said, John, it's a supplement. I'm not trying to replace your family study time. Right. Follow me. But it does help to have some tools, some visual resources that the kids will get engaged with in in your study. So that's what this is. Yeah, and I think that's really important. It's not a replacement for anything else, but it adds to it, it supplements. And that was one of the things I love about Come Follow Me is we're going to do Come Follow Me in our home with a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old very differently than a family with a three and four-year-old, very differently from empty nesters. Yes. And it gives us that freedom and flexibility. But I think if if you've got kids this whole drawn in, uh, just gives you such a neat guide, and I'm I'm super excited to see it and to check it out, and I I know our listeners will be too. It's just awesome. Is there anything I can't imagine? There's anything we've missed, David, because we've covered so much. <laughs> Did we miss anything here? Because you are doing a whole lot. Oh shoot, I I don't think so. I'm just just happy to do what I do. Um, I just love the concept of. Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, where it talks about being anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of your own free will. And the power is in us. We're agents to ourselves. And, and I think that's what the Savior's gospel is all about, is that we come up with ideas we on our own. We're not just prodded along. We're not slothful servants have to be told what to do. And then it creates something. And whether it, and it doesn't, I mean, art's one field, but anything you do is creating. I mean, you could create, it's apparent. You're creating a family environment, a job where you're just creating. I think Elder uh, Elder Ruchdorf has a great talk about that, and I can't even remember offhand, but it mentions the joy of creation. Now, that's a God-given trait that we've inherited. That's from. a God-like trait. Yep. God-like trait yep. from yep. having Being parent. able to create. Yeah. To create. So I just love that I can, I can do something that I love to do that's hopefully helping people um, still be able to make a living at it and um, hopefully do some good. 
if you want to keep up tabs on this drawn in or other things that's happening, uh, my, my Instagram is David Bowman art and my Facebook is just Bowman art. Are you pretty active on, on social media? Oh my goodness, Sean, I, I'm a generation X and I, I need to repent and do better. I I'm trying, <laughs> it's like this necessary evil. I just need to do better at, but I'm trying to do better, but yes, follow me and you'll a, get any updates few- that are important and you might get a little tidbit about something else too. People should follow you. That's great, great <laughs> advice. Well, we're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, David, what does being a member of the church mean to you? So being a member of Christ's restored church to me is, it's it's an honor, it's a uh, privilege to be a part of his kingdom. I, I just love the direction of President Nelson these days that we are I mean, we're preparing the world for his second coming, and we have the vehicle that's his kingdom on earth, which has all the priesthood power and authority and ordinances and things that are necessary for salvation. So just to be a part of that and to have been so blessed to just be born into it. I mean, I think about the odds of anyone that's ever lived on the earth to actually be a Latter-day Saint in 2019 just a real, real privilege. It's my joy. It's It's that and helping my family to do the same and to love this church and to love being part of the God's kingdom. Um, it, it gives meaning, gives purpose. If you did, if I didn't have that, you'd just be going after the next, whatever distraction or pleasure, but uh, it gives the whole purpose to our existence. I love this church. Awesome. Awesome. He is a very gifted artist and author and now video star, not to mention husband and father and all the other things that he does. It's just awesome. <laughs> David, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Sean, my, my pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. And my special thanks to my very talented new friend, David Bowman. I you know, it's funny, I, I need to be more humble and grateful for what I have because we have so many great musicians and artists and all different kinds of talented people on the show in ways that I'm not talented at all. And, uh, you know, I kind of sit sometimes thinking, why can't I draw? But I need to just be more grateful for the talents that I have. But David, what a great example he is. So thank you, David. We appreciate it. This week in my Latter-day life, I I had two things happen that I could kind of juxtapose that I found really interesting. Uh, The first part is a confession, and I'm not, not proud of this, but I'm a little bit of an impatient driver. I have a tendency to drive a little bit fast. I like to call it efficiently, and I get really frustrated when slow people are in the fast lane or when people don't merge or when... You know, just the basic rules of driving drive me nuts. And I have a tendency, especially if I am at a red light, when it turns green, it is time to go. I don't, I'm not a look at my phone guy at a light, whatever. I am waiting. And when that light turns green, we need to go. And I was in San Diego this week and I was uh, on my lunch break. I had run out to get some food and I was heading back over to my San Diego office I I should clarify, I do live in Utah, but I have an office down in San Diego I go to every few weeks. So I'm behind a guy, and there's a right turn arrow, it was red, and it turns green. And I did my typical 
one Mississippi, two Mississippi, this guy's getting a horn. I, it was pretty, I guess it was quick, but, uh, I gave him the little, the little tap, the little honk. And to me, I'm just being helpful. I'm not honking out of anger or out of frustration. I'm just trying to help the guy. I'm sure you want to go too. Hey, your light is green. You should go. So I gave the little tap and he kind of looked back at me shocked and then started going. And I felt kind of bad because he looked back at me angry. So, and I, I, I'm sure I must've looked like a jerk anyway, because the rental car company decided to upgrade me to this ridiculous sports car. And he was in, you know, a normal sedan, but I pulled up next to him and rolled down my window. And I said, Hey, I was just honking because the light had turned green. Uh, you know, I just wanted you to know that. And he goes, yes. And I hadn't noticed. So thank you. And congratulations on the two seconds that you saved yourself. It was like two seconds. I said, right. I didn't know if you knew. I didn't know what you had seen. And he goes, well, you really saved yourself a few seconds there. Good job. And then he took off. And at first I was like, well, that's not my problem. But the more I got to thinking about it, horns don't come with intentions. I wish they did. I wish there was a horn that was like the nice horn, the, hey, I just want to help out but they don't come with intentions. And as I was driving back, I thought, you know, my intentions probably didn't matter to that guy. And he's not wrong. I saved about two seconds. And to me, it's just, that's what I do. And I wonder how many people I've really bugged where they looked away for a split second and there's my horn. And so I kind of resolved, you know what, I need to stop doing that. I had another incident this past week, and that was here in my home in Utah. I went to Walmart the other night. I don't go to Walmart very often, but we were fishing on Saturday morning, and so Friday night, went to pick up some fishing supplies at Walmart, and I was being rung up, and I was in such a good mood, and I, the guy in line behind me, he had nothing in his hands, and he walked over, he started scanning the chocolate bars that are there, all the different candy bars that are there at the checkout. He was scanning him up and down, and he was an older guy, and finally he grabs a Hershey bar. And I was just finishing being rung up. And I looked over at him, and I said, uh, I said, is that all? Is that all you're buying? And he goes, yeah. He kind of rolled his eyes, and he said, my wife gives me such a hard time. He said, we just went out to dinner, had a great dinner, and after dinner, I always need something sweet. And I, so I stopped at Walmart to buy a chocolate bar and it drives her nuts. Uh, but I have to have my little bit of chocolate after a nice dinner. And I said, but that's all you're getting. You're here at Walmart just to get a Hershey bar. And he said, yep. And they had just finished ringing me up. I was about to pay. And I said, I would like to buy this man a Hershey bar. I said, cause I think it's a shame that he just had to explain that uh, why he's, you know, having to justify to his wife the chocolate bar. And I said, sir, go out and tell her that not only is it okay that you had a chocolate bar, but someone even bought it for you. And he goes, oh, you don't need to do that. And I said, no, absolutely. Please ring it up. And he thanked me, patted me on the back, said happy Thanksgiving. And he headed out. And the woman working at the register looked at me and she goes, I have never seen that in my life. I said, never seen what? She goes, what you just did. You just bought something for someone out of the blue for no reason. I said, yeah, it was like a 79 cent candy bar. It's not a, not a big deal. She goes, but it is kind of a big deal. She goes, I've just never seen that. Why don't more people do that? 
And I said, I don't know. I don't do it very often myself either. And finished being rung up and I walked away with such a good feeling. More than anything, it was just fun. It was kind of fun. I felt like we created a quick bond. And this morning, as I sit and I reflect on my on my week, uh, I also reflected back to last night. Last night I was driving and I got stopped behind a car at a red light and a light turned green and my hand immediately was hovering over that horn. But I waited past my normal one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I waited and it was about three or four seconds. And then that person went, I got to stop counting the seconds. I got to stop caring about whether or not I'm right and care much more about doing the good. If I was as intent at looking for opportunities like I had at Walmart as I am at a traffic light, (laughs) I think I could single-handedly make the world a better place. If I could just slow down a little bit and not be so concerned about getting to where I'm going as fast as possible, but instead just looking for opportunities to love people and serve people. And the person last night at the light Yeah, I wish they would have been looking at the light, but it's okay. And it was a couple of seconds, and they didn't have to have someone make their day worse by honking at them. I hope that I can look for more opportunities to serve my fellow man and to slow down and to be a little bit less concerned about what other people are doing and more concerned about serving them and helping them. The 79 cents I spent on a Hershey bar this week was a thousand times greater than the two seconds I gained by honking at that man in San Diego. I wish I could track him down again to apologize, but unfortunately all I can do is try to be better this week. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for sharing time with us again this week. Uh, We would love to have you follow us on social media. Uh, We always post our guests and updates. We'll share information again about... uh, about Garth Smith and and Allie and Stephanie's concert. Uh, we'll share more information about uh, David and all the different things that he is doing. So please, won't you check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you love the show, remember, we have our break coming up. We have our little uh, vacation. Uh, it's a great time to catch up on old episodes. But also, if you love the show, if there's someone you could share it with, is there someone in your ward who could use some uplifting conversation? Is there someone in your family or among your friends? And maybe they're struggling with their testimony or struggling with a trial, and hearing these uplifting conversations could help. We are so grateful uh, when our listeners share, and so many of you do. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me directly, I can be reached at Sean at LatterdayLives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com. And that's about all we have this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 